Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan, here with Sean. Busy day in the coaching world. Roy Williams has retired. Uh, Chris Beard has left Texas Tech for Texas. A slight upgrade in terms of a job. Uh, No offense to Texas Tech. Uh, North Carolina, we'll we'll obviously talk about potential candidates there, but um, what what are your quick reactions to that before we dive into the Final Four? You know, Chris Beard, he had a great – he had a very good time at Texas Tech, you know, it was pretty fantastic what he was able to do there. He brought them to heights they had never been. They had never been to the Elite Eight. They had never been to the Final Four. And he did both those things. He sent them to a national championship game. Look, I get why Texas Tech fans are mad. I get it. You know, I wouldn't be happy either if I don't have a favorite college basketball team. But if I did and they and my head coach left suddenly, even though it's not all that sudden because it's kind of expected, you know, I would probably not be thrilled either as a fan, but he gave everything to that program. So it's kind of like, it's tough to say that you should be upset. I wouldn't like, there's Texas Tech fans that hate him now. I don't think you should hate him. You can be upset. You can feel how you want to feel, but let's keep the hate out of it. I think, you know, just feel how you feel. You can continue hating Texas, but Texas Tech's a name brand now and they weren't before. Nobody cared about Texas Tech basketball prior to Chris Beard getting there in 2016. So I feel like you can't just forget what he was able to do. Yeah, certainly. He he engineered the kind of like revolution that, I mean, really Texas Tech wasn't even anything. So, you know, he built Texas Tech into something it never been. Uh, goes to a national championship game, uh, nearly wins. And I think part of what really probably stings for a lot of Texas Tech fans is like you don't get the closure on a national championship. Like, had DeAndre Hunter shot in the corner, rimmed out, or they didn't help off in the corner and Texas Tech wins that game, I think there's probably less hard feelings right there, but you still probably as a Texas Tech fan are like, oh, we, we, we're so close. We're like two years away from winning it all or something like that. Like we could win it all next year. I, I get get that sense of frustration, but you, you just look at what Texas Tech was before Chris Beard got there. It, it was a tournament team the previous year, uh, but – I think it lost its first round game in 2016. Uh, uh, let me really... check. Yeah, I think... yeah, they lost in the round of 64. They barely got into. You know, there's th- let me just uh, jump in here. There are three coaches before Chris Beard, Tubby Smith, Billy Gillespie, and Pat Knight. Like, those are three not great options. Like, Tubby Smith had a good career, didn't do very well at Texas Tech. Billy Gillespie's just a complete disaster for many reasons and pat knight just you know it's because his dad is a a bob knight that's really why he got the job but those three did not go well at all like you know they were in a really tough spot as a program after the tubby smith billy gillespie era even though uh tubby smith was able to get to the ncaa tournament in his final season they weren't a team with a real future a real path to be really good yeah, like I'll say this, like Tubby Smith did a decent job 
at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, the Billy Gillespie era was just completely brutal. I think Tubby Smith did a decent job at least getting it to the tournament, getting it somewhere on the map. Uh, and then, obviously, he leaves for Memphis, uh, takes a slight pay upgrade there. Um, worked out pretty well for Texas Tech, I would say. Yeah, that was great for Texas Tech because that didn't work out for Memphis either. Yeah, uh, I bet Memphis would love to have Chris Beard. But, you know, <laughs> in terms of Beard, I, in 2018, they, you know, they choke away kind of the Big 12 regular season title, but they still make it to their first Elite Eight. And then the next year they win the Big 12 uh, regular season title. Uh, actually share it with Kansas State, then they go not only to the Final Four, they get to the national championship. They're a closeout on a three or uh, the rim bouncing the other way and them getting a board from winning the national championship in 2019. Uh, so, I mean, for what he did, just an incredible job and you know, for Texas, just a complete home run hire. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're Texas, it was looking like Chris Beard or Royal Ivy. So you're definitely going with Chris Beard, a top five coach in the country. It's just Texas Tech is going to be a potential national championship contender every season because Chris Beard can recruit, he can really coach, and he gets the most out of his guys. I mean, he's just one of the, maybe not top five, but he's at worst top 10. And on the final part about Texas Tech here, they're going to lose guys. I mean, it's just inevitable when you lose a coach, you're going to lose guys. And they've already lost two. They've lost Kyler Edwards to the transfer portal, a guy that's been there throughout uh, Beer's whole tenure. You know, I, does he fall into Texas? Silva. We'll see. Yeah, Santo Silva too. Do they follow him to Texas? I guess we'll see. I'm not sure about that. I think Edwards maybe does. Santo Silva maybe goes back to VCU. Who knows? But more will probably come. Yeah, it will be interesting to kind of monitor what Texas Tech does in the future. Uh, And for Texas, like, I think option one was Chris Beard. They were going to offer him, you know, a contract. And, you know, had he turned it down, I think Royal Ivy's the Texas head coach. But, you know, when Texas comes calling, you at least listen, especially if you're at Texas Tech. And you listen to the offer. You try to get whatever money you want. Texas can provide you. So mm-hmm. uh, he gets set up for the long haul. And uh, Texas certainly in a better spot with Chris Beard. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, coaching in college basketball and coaching in general, it's a business. You know, it's going to happen. There's not very many coaches that are going to be lifers for every coach k or tom Izzo or jim Beheim or mark few you're going to get like 140 other guys that are going to be at nine different head coaching jobs it's just that's just the way it is i mean it's a business at the end of the day and will texas be chris beard's last job probably not like I'm, i doubt it'll be his last job it's just kind of how it is yeah uh speaking of coaching and Last jobs, it is Roy Williams, who is retiring from North Carolina. He had an incredible 
career, both at Kansas and at North Carolina, wins the three national championships, 2005, 2009, 2017 at North Carolina, did it with, you know, all sorts of players, all sorts of eras. Uh, and, you know, he, he retires. It'll be interesting to kind of see who ends up with the job. I think the two names that are pretty well thrown out there are uh, Hubert Davis and Wes Miller. Uh, it remains to be seen who it will be out of those two. But, you know, in terms of the North Carolina job, arguably the best job available out there. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really kind of like North Carolina or Kentucky are kind of like the two best ones. And then, you know, I think like a Duke and Kansas and UCLA are kind of like a tier below. So uh, certainly b- big job open. Uh, we'll see who ends up filling the spot, but uh, Roy Williams is retiring. Yeah, I mean, definitely big news. We recorded a YouTube video on candidates, you know, like 11 hours ago, but YouTube is uh, terrible. And I guess you can't post two videos uh, at the same time. You have to wait 12 hours. That should be fixed. That's a disaster, and I'd like nothing about that because we posted a Chris Beard video shortly before. So YouTube, get it together. I know none of uh, the top people at YouTube are listening to this, but I'd highly recommend you fix that because that's not great. But the two candidates that are likely to be hired, you know, you look at Hubert Davis and you look at Wes Miller. It's tough to pick which one. I think both will be given multiple interviews and chances to prove why they're the best option. Their AD today said that – They'll want a guy with head coaching experience. That's what he prefers. It's not a definitive thing. But that's what he prefers, and he wants to go fast in the coaching search. So this could be a done deal in a week or two. I think they know who they want. They said they're going to listen to Roy Williams' input like they should, and he gave them who the, who he thinks should be the next head coach. Is it Hubert Davis or is it Wes Miller? I guess we'll see, but I'm almost certain it's one of the two. Yeah, I would say Roy, if Roy was picking, I think it would be Hubert Davis. Uh, but you know, they, I don't think Wes Miller's a bad option. So like if the head coach or uh, the AD goes, Hey Roy, we're, what we're thinking about hiring Wes Miller. I don't think Roy's going to shoot that down, uh, as he shouldn't. So I, I think Hubert Davis was one of the two is going to end up with the job. And you know, there's a few names like you'd probably, if you're the North Carolina AD, uh, you you should probably you know contact some outer people, just see what they say. Like if let's say not saying Mark Few, but let's say you call Mark Few and he picks up the phone and it's like, okay, you, yeah, you know, I'm interested. I don't think it will happen, but like if Mark Few says, oh, I, I'm listening, I'm interested, at, at that point, may, maybe you just go a different direction than the original plan. But yeah, I, think I mean, yeah, you got to call you, who, who you got to call. But you, at the end of the day, I just think it'll end up going Hubert Davis or Wes Miller. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you call Mark Few without a doubt. Is he going to say anything other than, no, I'm not interested? I'm staying in Spokane, Washington, where I might have the best program for the next decade. That's probably what he's going to say. I doubt Mark is a serious candidate for the job. I just doubt he wants it. 
Brad Stevens is another one. They could call. He's not going to take it. Billy Donovan, maybe they could call too. I doubt he would take it either. Those are probably the only two NBA guys. But Nate Oates, I would certainly call just because of the way he's been able to win at the two spots he's been. Some people say he doesn't have enough head coaching experience, but I say making four NCAA tournaments in six seasons as a head coach is uh, all I need to see out of him. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of different people you could call. Uh, MJ, you know, I, I, I just think it's going to be those one of those two. Yeah, it'll stay in the family. I feel yeah. like that's a certainty nearly. Yeah, not quite. As certain as Duke, which will like 1,000% stay in the family. But Nolan I'm, Smith is going to be the next Duke coach, I bet. I'm not kidding. He's he's like a top assistant right now. I bet he's their next head coach. See, he, he, here's what uh, like I think John Shire and Nolan Smith mm-hmm. have it in their favor. They never had – they're never head coaching, so you can't like – like Jeff Cable, we've seen mm-hmm. top assistant Coach K loves him goes to Pittsburgh and that's that's not working out. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it, that one's going better than uh you know Chris Collins from the Coach K tree and Wojo that was a complete disaster. So I mean those are going better than or Jeff Cable's doing better than those two, but uh you know it's not going great at Pittsburgh either. So. Hey, Wojo might just be uh, an assistant coach here in the next few days. There is a spot open for it. Possible. Yeah. But, yeah, I think with North Carolina, probably stays in the family. You, you never know, though. You, anything can go in coaching. Uh, so we'll kind of continue to monitor that as. Uh, it goes about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's get into the final four. We have Houston against Baylor will be the first game. We've got the Gonzaga plan massacring of the UCLA Bruins uh, as the second game. Um, let's start with the game that will actually be competitive. We have the Houston Cougars against Baylor Bears. Um, yeah, I think this is a interesting matchup. You get two teams that you each have three really good guards. Uh, I think Baylor's three guards are a bit better, but Houston has three really good guards. Uh, Houston's going to kill on the offensive glass. Uh, Baylor's going to try to force turnovers. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun matchup to watch and we'll kind of see, uh, you know, who ends up prevailing in this one. Yeah, it's almost a certainty that Houston's just going to destroy on the glass. They rebound almost, uh, I believe, close to 40%. I'm going to pull up the actual set on Ken Palm here. I believe it's close to 40%. Yeah, 39.8% of their shots on the glass. When you're rebounding almost half your shots that you miss, you're going to get a lot of chances to score points. And they did against Oregon State. They just killed on the glass. They only ended up winning by six. They should have won by more, probably. They had 19 offensive rebounds, but really struggled from the field. Marcus Sasser, you know, he he was hot in the game at times from deep, but he's just so streaky. Quentin Grimes had a bad game. If Houston's going to win this game, they have to capitalize on those offensive rebounds. Getting offensive rebounds is great, 
but unless you're doing something with them, it's just extra possessions that you're not doing anything with, and you're taking more time off the clock. You have to capitalize. You can't uh, get rid of those mistakes. You can't force mistakes off missed shots like that if you're Houston because what you want to do is get rebounds. You want to score points off those rebounds, and you don't want to let Baylor get comfortable because they can light it up from three in a hurry. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, just looking for at the other end, you've got a Baylor team, not really an elite rebounding team by any means, uh, one of their weaknesses on the defensive end, but this is also – a Baylor team, you know, defensively, I think can force some, you know, potential turnovers, whether it be Jerome. Uh, I'm fascinated to see who they decide to put Davion Mitchell. Will it be Quentin Grimes? Will it be, has to be. John Jerome? Like I could see them switch it up. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see who he's on. Uh, Mark Viles staying out of foul trouble will be big because he's a really good uh, defensive rebounder. Uh, Matthew Myers certainly going to play a role in this. Flo Thamba is going to start and hopefully just play those four minutes where he's the starter uh, from Baylor. So, I mean, I think it's a it's it's definitely the better matchup just because the other one I think will be getting out of hand in a hurry. Uh, you know, should be a fun game. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to see what happens in this one. I, are we doing predictions right now, too? Uh, we're doing predictions. So the Man. line is out. It is Baylor minus five. Did I officially win yet, or are we uh, am I still up one? You're still up one. Oh. <sighs> Boy, I have to think. I don't want to lose our uh, our uh, not really a wager because we have nothing on the line, but bragging rights here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Baylor given the points. I, I think it'll be close. I think Houston could certainly win the game, but I'm going with the team that's been the second best team all season, and that's Baylor. I think they're gonna shoot the ball really well from deep like normal. Matthew Myers is gonna be the X factor because that's what he's been a lot of times this season. But they need to get something out of Jonathan Chamwa Chachua and Flo Thamba on the glass because Houston could kill them on the glass very fast because Baylor's terrible at defensive rebounding, and they like to play small most times. So they need those two big men that they do have to do something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Baylor minus five as well. I just think, one, I think the line's a little bit low, especially given you know, a lot of what is going on with why you're seeing some of these lower lines with Baylor than what you would expect is yet a Baylor, like, because coming off the COVID pause, their first two games were, they just weren't themselves. Like, that deflated the numbers in such a way that I think the spreads are uh, a little bit out of touch when it comes to this Baylor team. Um, so I would probably say a good line for this is probably at seven, uh, eight points. I think Baylor's just that much better. And, you know, this is another example. You get a Houston team. They, they beat Texas Tech way early in the season before Texas Tech was playing, you know, at a top 30 level. Like Texas Tech back in November wasn't the Texas Tech that you – even got in December and January. 
Uh, so, I mean, that that's their only good win. Uh, you know, Memphis, good team, NIT champions. That That's the second best win on the season. And hey, don't let's not slander Memphis. I mean, uh, but they did just lose Boogie Ellis. They lost DJ Jeffries, and they lost Damian Baugh in the last 26 hours. So it's been better for Penny Hardaway, certainly. It, maybe they'll all come back. Who knows? They're not coming back. They're gone. The transfer portal just – there's so many names. It's hard to keep up. I mean, uh, the coaching but, transfer portal has been active uh, recently too. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just, – just harping back on this. I think Baylor wins this game rather handily. Uh yeah, I think Houston will create some offensive rebounds. Uh, but the other thing, too, is, like, I think Davion Mitchell is going to steal some possessions here. Uh, Houston's going to try to slow the tempo, which really, I think Baylor in the half court is especially very good defensively. Uh, you know, when you get them run downhill quick before they can set up their defense, you know, I think you can beat Baylor uh, on the offensive end you can't really beat Baylor when they're playing you know half court setup game uh I think that plays more into Baylor so uh at least defensively offensively I think Baylor will try to run but yeah I just think overall Baylor has the better players uh the three guard tandem for Baylor is better than three guard tandem for Houston uh I just don't think Houston's going to be able to get enough offensive rebounds to cover the spread. So give me Baylor to cover the spread here. Yeah, I think Baylor covers for sure, too. If Houston, you know, they have a chance to win, like I said earlier, they're going to need uh, Quentin Grimes and Marcus Sasser to hit shots consistently because that puts them to a different level if they can hit those shots. They haven't really done it recently, but they need to in this one. Absolutely. Um, Next one here it is Gonzaga against UCLA uh the UCLA Bruins 5-0 in this NCAA tournament uh wins over Mr. March Tom Ezzo, uh Jawan Howard and Michigan uh Nate Oates and Alabama along with uh Joe Goulding Joe Goulding future Texas Tech head coach maybe good That's chance I'm hiring Good chance. It'll be him or Grant McCaslin, it sounds like, from North Texas. So, can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, I, just just looking at this game, I, I don't know how UCLA keeps this close without just, like, if they do what they did against Michigan, and what they did against Michigan was just let the ball air get deflated because they're dribbling it so much and wasting time, then you know, if that's the strategy they want to play, good luck, because Gonzaga is a actually really good defensive team. Very underrated, but I mean, you, you can't really slow Gonzaga down all that much. If you do want to dribble the clock out of the... Or, dribble the air out of the ball for 30 seconds, Gonzaga is going to score in 10 seconds the other way. So, like, I just don't 
I don't see any way this gets close. The spread is 14. Um, I, I think Gonzaga wins this game by at least 22 points. Jeez, 22. I'm going to say 18. You know, they. I think they could easily be leading by 30 in the game. But, you know, it just kind of at the end, they take the gas off the or the yeah gas off the pedal that, yeah that sounds good gas yeah foot off the brakes that's what I'm looking for they take the foot off the, their foot off the brakes late in the game we saw that against USC they're leading by 30 or so at one point they ended up winning by 18 I think they'll win around there again I think Drew Timmy's gonna have a huge game on Cody Riley they don't have very much big man depth so you're gonna be looking at Kenneth Nuba and Mac Etienne to be playing big, big roles as Cody Riley gets in foul trouble USC you know you're, they're gonna need more than just Johnny Juzang hitting shots. He had 28 points against Michigan. That'd be great if he does it again, but you need 20 from John, or from Jaime Hawkins. You need 15 from Tiger Campbell. You need something from Jake Kyman and David Singleton off the bench. You need the uh, guys off the bench to contribute at a high level. I just don't think they have enough to be able to win this game, nor really keep it close. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Gonzaga wins this one pretty handily and covers the spread. I'll say this. like UCLA, let's say... Jaime Hawkins, Johnny Juzang, Jules Bernard all go off for 20 points apiece. I don't. I still don't think that's good enough. Like I just think, like, and we saw kind of the recipe to at least beat Gonzaga involved BYU going 60% from three. Like one, I don't see it happening. And two, if you do. Gonzaga can still win. Like, it's not out of the question. So, I just, I don't see any way UCLA wins this one. Uh, I know they beat BYU by more than uh, Gonzaga did in their most recent games. Uh, Also, worth noting, USC has dominated UCLA these past two seasons. And Gonzaga was just up... 30 on USC. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't think this game's going to even be close. Give me Gonzaga and a blowout. Yeah, it's going to be Gonzaga pretty easily. Yeah. So, I mean, looking forward, Gonzaga Baylor, we could have gotten it in December, ends up getting canceled. I think, you know, this is probably the most excited championship game we've had in a while um you're just thinking back i think it's you know, maybe one you maybe even think of is like duke butler but i don't even think that was you know as anticipated as this game i think this has this has a chance to be an all-time game and like even if gonzaga wins it's still, I think, going to be the most anticipated championship game we've seen in a while. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. That's the matchup we really want. I feel like that's what everybody wants. That's what we wanted in December. And when the game got canceled, we were like, okay, well, we'll see it in uh, April. And, you know, we're very close to seeing it. They've been the top two teams all season without a doubt. And I, I just really hope that's a matchup we get. You know, sorry, UCLA and Houston, but I would love that matchup because they've just been great all season. And even if Gonzaga wins the championship game by 30, we're still getting to see a historical team do something that hasn't been done since 1976. So I'd be fine with that too. 
as long as we get a good game or Gonzaga just rolling away with it and becoming the first undefeated national champion since 1976, Indiana did it, that's a moment that you won't forget. You'll always think of, well, who was the national 25 years from now? You'll be thinking, well, the last undefeated uh, national champion was 2020-2021 Gonzaga, not 1976-Indiana. I wasn't alive in 1976. Uh, I feel like that's pretty evident here. Neither were you. So we didn't see that Indiana team play live, but everybody knows about that team. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you a name on the roster. I think Isaiah Thomas is on the roster. Okay, Isaiah Thomas. I'm going to pull it up. Let's see how many names I know. Probably not many. Um, I don't know any of these names. He was not on the roster. Oh, boy. Let's see. Yeah, I, I don't know a single person on this roster. Scott May. I've heard of him. I've heard of Sean May, uh, assistant at North Carolina. Uh, Kent Benson. Never heard of him. Tom Aberthy. Never heard of him. Oh, Scott, Scott May is Sean May's dad. That's funny. Quinn Buckner, I've heard of that name. Probably not remembering it from this. Uh, Bob Wilkerson, Wayne Radford, Jim Cruz, Rich Valavucius, Jim Wisman, Bob Bender, Mark Hamer. Oh, Scott Jim Cruz. He coached St. Louis. I knew that. Oh. Uh, Jim. Jim Roberson. Yeah, the only name I know there is Jim Cruz because it's Coach St. Louis. Scott May. Related to Sean May, so I guess I kind of know him. Yeah. So there, there we go. We know Scott May, Jim Cruz, and uh, Quinn Buckner. I can name this entire 2020-2021 Gonzaga team, though. Who who's who's on the team? Everybody on the team right now. Everyone on the team, including walk-ons. Including walk-ons. All right, that's not fair. I can't name walk-ons. They don't play. Okay. I mean, they fine. deserve respect, but I can't name them. You you just have to name uh all the all the people, all the people all right. you can. All the, all right. I'll, starting five, obviously, you got Corey Kispert. You got Julie I you got Drew Timmy, the best player in college basketball history, Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhart, so that's your starting five. Off the bench you have Anton Watson, you have Umar Ballo, Aaron Cook, uh, Pavel Zakharov, Martinez Arlauskis, uh, Julian Strother and Dominic Harris, and Ben Gregg. I think that's all the players that actually have played. We've got, uh, let's see, there's Matthew Lang, Will Graves, He's a walk-on. Corey, Colby Brooks, Abe Eagle. Oh, maybe All walk-ons. To, maybe related to Ian Eagle. That, that, might be, that might be a thing. Evan Inglesby. So, I, I think those are all walk-ons. Again, no disrespect to walk-ons. They work hard in practice. I just don't know who they are. Like, I, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Is Ben Gregg a ring chaser? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. He could end his Gonzaga career with, like, a lot of rings. Let's say he stays 
all I mean because he came in halfway through the season so if he stays all four years including this one four more years and he'll he could have like five rings technically yeah very good for someone who uh was in high school and decides hey I'm gonna just go ahead and uh take off so Yep. Yeah. Ring ring chasing. For for real though, like Gonzaga is super deep, but like Julian Strother, Dominic Harris, uh Umar Ballo, Ben Gregg, all really good players, supposedly. Why why aren't they playing? Because they don't need to. Why Why would you play players when you're undefeated playing seven guys? I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team. Like, Dominic Harris, he's a top 100. I think everybody on that roster that doesn't play that's not a walk-on was a top 100 guy. I mean, they could start a lot of places. That's just how good this Gonzaga team is. Like, we haven't seen – like, Julian Strother legitimately, I think he's going to be a really good player next season. But you look at – could he play big minutes at, like – I don't know who's a borderline tournament team this year. Could he play big minutes at like UCLA, Louisville? Maybe. Could he play big minutes at like Louisville? I bet he would have started at Louisville. Like, obviously, they didn't make the tournament there, the first team out, but like he could have played big minutes at a lot of places. But he went to Gonzaga, learned from one of the best coaches in college basketball, maybe soon to be college basketball history, and you know he gets to play on a historically great team even though he doesn't get much burn but he's learning more at Gonzaga than he would anywhere else all right uh how many players can you name on the Baylor roster oh boy probably not including walk-ons uh not including walk-ons uh Tristan okay. Clark does he count no, not not counting Ken even though okay. he's he's on the roster all right, we can go Davion Mitchell, Mark Vidal, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, Flo Thamba starts, so that's uh, Adam Flagler, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua, Matthew Meyer, LJ Cryer. That rhymes, Meyer and Cryer. That's pretty cool. That rhymes. And then uh, Dane Danger, he's a freshman, but he hasn't played this season. I guess, I mean, you can't really redshirt this year. He's just not playing. And then Zach Loveday. I feel like I'm missing somebody, but that's all I could uh, think of there. Jordan Turner, Mark Peterson, and Jackson Moffat, I believe. Oh, Jackson is... Moffat is a, is a mullet bro with a Matthew yeah. Meyer. I think that's what they call themselves, the mullet bros, something yeah. like that. I don't remember Matthew Meyer having a mullet until – after quarantine, so. Yeah, I mean, and he, he might be an NBA player. Like, I was looking at ESPN's top 100 list today. He's, like, 52nd. Like, I hope he comes back another year and becomes a first-round pick, but he's an NBA player. Yeah. Oh, I, I would say he needs to play, like, a full season being the guy, but, like, I could see him being an NBA player. Yeah, he's got NBA skills for sure. He is from Austin, Texas, so maybe he, you know, follows. That's, a, that's not happening. That's not happening. 
Or maybe he just decides I'm going to be the superstar on Baylor next year. So I'm just going to return to Baylor. He could be. If hey, I'll say this right now. We'll see a year from now. I'm going to say Matthew Myers is a first-team All-Big 12 guy next season. I'd, I'd probably buy it. Yeah, that, that, that's my prediction. Because... Like, the Big 12 will have... Big 12's losing a lot of guys. Yeah. Like, Texas may... Uh, Miles McBucket's probably player of the year. He's probably going pro. I don't think he comes back. Well... Um, Jalen Wilson, maybe? David McCormick. Uh, David McCormick. Uh, Davion Harmon. Mike Miles. Avery Anderson. Mike Miles is a stud, yeah. Nigel Pack. Nigel Pack, let me tell you, he's going to be a star next year, too. He can really score. Yeah. Big, Big 12. There's some, there's some dudes. There's some dudes. The Big 12 is going to be good next year, without a doubt. Kansas yeah, State. I, don't I, sleep on Kansas State. Added Mark Smith and added Marquise Noel from Little Rock. They're going to be good next season. It's uh, it, it, I think it's just going to be a lot of like bubble teams. Big 12. That's That's possible. And I guess the last little bit of news, I guess, it's not really news yet, but, I mean, Porter Moser is the leading candidate at Oklahoma, according to Adam Zagoria. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, Porter Moser might be headed to Oklahoma. There we go. Um, Yeah, Porter Moser would be certainly a very good hire for Oklahoma, which kind of surprising that he's Oklahoma because, like, I thought he would have a good look at Indiana. Obviously, they went another way. Uh, I guess Oklahoma is the third best job available this year. but Yeah, I mean, Lon Kruger, it said he made $3 million in 2020. I think Porter Moser got a big raise and made over a million or something like that. So if he's going to get like a two-plus-million-dollar raise, he's, you probably got to take it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you just can't not take, like, even a $1 million raise would be enough for me to leave Loyola Chicago. So, yeah, it's just, uh, and I think Loyola will, they'll probably just stay in-house with their next hire, so. I think it'll be a, well, I, it should be Drew Valentine, assistant there at Loyola Chicago. His brother, Denzel Valentine. Okay. I'm telling you, he's going to be a good coach for sure. He's got slightly better teeth than Denzel Valentine. Why are you roasting Denzel Valentine like that? That's National uh, Player of the Year, Denzel Valentine. 
that's a, that's a Mickey Mouse player of the year. That was the Buddy Heald year, not my player of the year. Nah, he won national player of the year. Let's not roast Denzel Valentine. Come on. He's got some uh, – Drew Valentine certainly got the better teeth in the uh, family. That that's 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 where I'll stand with this. So Denzel Valentine, better basketball skills. Drew Valentine, maybe a better basketball coach. I would say that's a certainty. Yeah. Yeah. So gonna be interesting to see as the coaching carousel moves around as the transfer portal is now over twelve hundred names. Um yeah, I mean Pick a school they probably already have. You know, pick a school that's been out of the NCAA tournament. You know, UCLA, Gonzaga, Houston, Baylor. Obviously, don't have any people transferring yet. But just pick any other school. They probably have a few people transferring. So the transfer season, it's in full bloom. Coaching carousel, also in full bloom. It's going to be a wild, wild ride in the near future, but you know, the Final Four is here. Uh, get the first couple games on Saturday. Get the uh, championship games, or the championship game on Monday. Should be a fantastic one. We will have full coverage of it, uh, so stay tuned to Making the Madness.